Okay, good evening, everyone. It's Dashi Han Miller, and we are here with our, uh, what is it, this week's Kudan episode, episode 147. And so we are doing a part two to something I started last week uh, on a full phrase. We'll talk about that a little bit more as um, uh, as we officially get started. Uh, it's just me again, so I'm operating as my own producer and um, host and all that wonderful stuff. James is otherwise preoccupied uh, or I don't know. He has other responsibilities he needs to take care of. So uh, here we are, right? So anyway, uh, let's uh, let's start off with a with a quick uh, quote here, right? Uh, my Miko teacher once said, uh, "Either you control your mind, or your mind controls you. Your choice." All right, we'll talk about that and the rest of this topic when we get back. So, the big question is this. How are self-defense and success-minded people like us, concerned citizens worried about protecting ourselves, our loved ones, and the things we care about from the monsters we know exist in the world? How do we train in a way that gives us the skills, knowledge, and understanding we need without becoming paranoid fighters or killers ourselves, and yet still allows us to be the hero protector the world needs us to be? That's the question, and this podcast will give you the answers. My name is Jeffrey Miller, and welcome to Kudan Radio. Real training for real people in a real world. All right. We are back. Dashi Han Miller here from Warrior Concepts and the Bujinkan Mori no Toro Dojo. All right. So um, mind, 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 right? Uh, so we started last week uh, with this topic. There's this full phrase, right? It kind of goes together, but there's two aspects to it, just like with the yin-yang, omyodo uh, kind of thing, right? Mind like moon, mind like water, okay? So uh, during last episode... We discussed this whole idea, and the, and the crux of the mind like moon is um, an enlightened mind illuminates uh, and, and shines a light on on whatever it is that you're dealing with, right? You can see it for what it is. You can see it clearly, right? Uh, it exposes hidden things. It's, uh, you know, you can see when somebody's trying to manipulate you or deceive you, all these things, right? Um, when it comes to self-defense, we're not just uh, looking at, the actions and, and how the attacker is moving and setting up so we can recognize uh, his fight style. But we're also, uh, we, we've looked into the very nature of violence itself, right? What causes violence, uh, how different personality types uh, kind of approach that, or, uh, you know, what the difference between the way a truly, truly, truly strong person uh, engages in violence uh, when they choose to and when they choose to avoid that kind of thing as opposed to a weak person, passive aggressive, that kind of thing, right? We didn't go into all those things, but it's kind of a broad, broad stroke kind of thing, right? I mean, that's the point of, of Kudin anyway, give you some things to think about and then uh, progress on with, right? So um, this week we're going to take a look at this episode. We're going to take a look at, uh, the second half of the phrase, moon like water, okay, mizu no kokoro, right, mizu no kokoro. So, um, uh, when, when we're approaching this, and again, what I want to do is I want to take a look at it from the, the, uh, the obvious or the, the, uh, what would you call it? The, lost a word here. The, the goal, right? What's the goal, right? Uh, where does the training lead? That kind of thing, right? What's the uh, what, what's the crux of the lesson, right? 
Okay. Um, and I'll, I'll tell you now, right? It has to do with clarity. Okay. So we're going to take a look at that, how this symbolism points to this, right? From the perspective of water. Um, if I have time, uh, I'm going to relate it or I'll, I'll take some time and relate it to, uh, shamatha type meditation. Um, like this depth, right? Of, of samadhi, right? How deeply connected, right? And in touch you are with what's going on here now in the moment. I apologize if we don't have time. I'll just shift that to another time. What I really want to look at, though, is the antithesis uh, of the of the goal, right? This clarity, right? So what's the what's the opposite of that? Well, in our Mikyo training, um, there's uh, this body of knowledge known as the five hindrances, right? Five hindrances to the enlightened mind or to this clarity, to this enlightenment, to this uh, prajna insight, uh, hanya in Japanese. Okay, so. Uh, but anyway, the, 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 the idea of just like with the mind like moon, right? Um, there's this symbology, right? To kind of point to a grander lesson. Okay. Well, in this case, water's the same thing, right? But if we think about it, right? Water, I mean, there, there's this essential nature of water, right? But depending on the way water is disturbed or how it's being acted on or influenced, right? Um, we get different, we get different states for water, right? And we could go into everything from steam to liquid to, you know, we learned this in school, right? Steam, liquid, uh, and frozen, right? Um, it's not quite so, so drastic that way. Um, but that's also the nature of our mind, right? Our mind is what it is and what it does, but depending on the habits that we've built, right, into ourselves um, and these things that we just kind of do without even thinking about it, right, it's just, right, it's become our nature, right, um, depending on, on, we could say the filters that we've put up, right, one of my teachers used to use the the analogy of rose-colored glasses, right, if I'm walking around with rose-colored glasses on, right, kind of this reddish tint, right, then, then the whole world has this reddish tint. Everything I look at, right, is filtered. It's not the real color. It's not the real object. It's not the real texture because this, this color filters out certain wavelengths. It, it flattens certain textures. It, it does different things, right? And, and you can swap out the color to lots of other things, but that's really what's going on, right? And I don't care what filter any one of us is used or using, but that's the idea, right? Um, the filters are made up by our beliefs, our goals, our wishes, our dreams, our baggage, all this kind of stuff, right? It's this, this literally a filtration system that we're running things through, and it, it skews things, right? We think that we're looking at what's really there, but what we're really doing is translating things based on what and how we want to see things, okay? So... This analogy with water, right, um, is, I, I think it's an important one, right? And, and again, you know, a picture is worth a thousand words and there are 10,000 words and all that stuff. But anyway, so, um, so let's do this. Let's start with, uh, you know what? I, I forgot. I'm my own producer. So I need to make sure that, where is it? That's up. Hey, look, it's Gooden. And, um, let me make sure the chat's up, right? See who's on, all that kind of stuff. So, uh julie says share to facebook thank you very much i appreciate when you guys share this stuff like it and all that 
um, any engagement tells the algorithm, whether on Facebook or YouTube or whatever, right, this mystical AI, right, that um, not only that it's liked, right, I mean, not liked, right, but appreciated and there's value in it and things like that, but unfortunately, because they know a lot about each one of us, right, then it's more likely that it'll pop up in front of other people that are like-minded, right, that can actually use it. Okay, um, so any you know any any chance you can get that? So I absolutely appreciate it. I know that um, Julie, I see this on a regular basis. Um, just about anything that that she bumps into of mine uh, gets gets shared. And I really really appreciate it. Right, it's the same for a lot of you. Okay, so Jimmy's on, Komalaser, and Phil's on. Good evening. Right, so um, again, people are still filtering in, and that's fine. Um, I don't know where where you are like delay wise, right. Either in, in signing on or, um, you know, what the delay might be between whether, you know, for the folks that are on Facebook or Twitter or, uh, YouTube, like Phil's over on YouTube and, uh, that kind of thing. But either way, um, so what I plan on doing is just kind of covering this, giving you more things to think about. Um, and of course, all of it, we're, we're going to make sure we're relating it to both a self-defense survival situation and life, everyday life, right? Because we always had that real, um, that, um, uh, Koteki Ryoda, right? The tiger below, the dragon above. Uh, again, it's another one of those, uh, uh, symbol, uh, symbolizing kind of things that represent the two sides of training, right? The dragon represents everyday life, right? And being successful in society for a warrior, right? And the tiger represents being able to do what we need to do on a battlefield or back alley or, you know, in our home, if an invader comes in or whatever, right? So you have a battlefield side and you've got society uh, kind of side of things. These two sides to things, right? And so, you know, the, the, the art encompasses all of these things and not as a second hand, uh, what I often call a side effect, right? Um, you know, people give a lot of lip service to things. Um, as a matter of fact, I was talking to one of my guys, uh, was it uh, Thursday morning, I think, right? I've got this student, uh, his older student, his name is Fred. Uh, Fred's retired, has been for quite a while. Uh, Fred used to be a psychiatrist, psychologist, something like that, right? Had a lot of um, patients and has a lot of experience in the mental side of things, right? And so uh, we were having a discussion about this, this idea with, um, you know, the life skills and, personal character traits, right? And what Fred said was the thing that the biggest thing that he appreciated with um, and was surprised by, right? In a martial arts school, because he had done lots of martial arts before in his, in his uh, life, you know, coming up through the ages, so to speak, right? Um, the biggest thing that he saw uh, through our dojo was that there was no difference between the lessons being taught about character trait development and the character traits that he saw in the instructors and the seniors at the dojo, right? That people were walking the talk. And that was, in his words, refreshing, right? Which is great because that's all I've ever set out to do was to make sure that, you know, not only people were getting value um, because they were learning lessons and knowing things that they wanted to know, but those things were being reflected Right. In their life. Right. Um, 
again, quick side story here, but related. Um, when I, my first martial arts teacher in this art, right, in not my first martial arts teacher, my first Nijutsu teacher, um, for our testing, right, and that's bled over into what I'm looking for for my students, um, there were three areas that were being tested, okay? That it was easy to test two of those things at an actual formal test, and we do those things, right? So people understand that there are standards, there are minimum standards that must be met as opposed to everything just kind of being subjective, right? But two of these things um, could be tested formally, right? Physical skills, right? And knowledge, knowledge about the art, knowledge about your techniques, those kind of things. But there was this third thing that was could only be tested or uh, observed or considered by the teachers interacting with the students, right, by my teacher interacting with me, you know. And it wasn't until later on that I realized that there, were, there was a strategy to the questions that were being asked when I attended a seminar or whatever, right. And so that third part is how am I making my life better because of the art? Okay, how am I applying these principles and concepts in life, right, to serve others, right, to to be that warrior protector or the the teacher or you know just being somebody who's strong that can be where people need somebody to be strong, right, and so I, I think that's the point of things, right. Uh, a couple other people signed on. Hi, Richard. Uh, good evening. Okay, so again, uh, for those of you just signing on, uh, I'm my own producer tonight, so if it seems like I'm like sketching around and trying to figure things out, uh, James normally does that stuff. And um, like I said, he has some other personal responsibilities to take care of, and that'll probably be for another two or three weeks. But um, we'll just keep on going because that's what we do, right? Okay. So anyway, let's let's get back to the topic. Okay. So mind like water. And we talked about Mind Like Moon. That was last week. If you haven't seen it or if you didn't catch that episode, please make sure you do that. Um, again, it was about being able to see things, right? Uh, being able to see the attacker's moves, being able to whatever, okay? Now, these two are very, very closely related, but they are two different aspects, okay? Mind Like Moon, Mind Like Water, okay? So Mind Like Water, in basic Mikyo training, exoteric Buddhist studies, whatever. I mean, this, this kind of crosses spiritual boundaries, right? So it's not, it's not something that's owned, right, by Buddhism or whatever. You just you tend to see these things. Um, I don't know. Maybe it was just because I saw them. But anyway, um, there's this idea of water when it's very, very still, and it's not just still, right? It's very still and it's very clear, right? It's undisturbed, okay? It takes on a mirror-like quality, okay? So if you had a bowl of water, right? The water was clean, it was clear, and it was still, and you leaned out over it to look into the bowl, what would you see? You'd see a perfect reflection of yourself. Now, whether you like or don't like the reflection, it's, 
there's also this idea of non-attachment, right? The bowl and the water, it's, it's not that there's no caring, right? The job of the water, well, the job of the vessel is to hold the water, right? But the job of the water in the mirror type uh, aspect, right? Just like with any mirror, right? Is to reflect back that which is in front of it accurately. But to not be attached to it. To not try to own it. Because when that image, when that person walks away, the image goes with it. Right? So there's this idea of clarity that comes from a still undisturbed mind. And this is the point of samatha or shamatha meditation, which most people know it as, uh, from the Japanese side of things, as Zen, right? But shamatha means to stop, okay? And what you're doing is you're stopping these random thoughts, or it's really difficult to stop thoughts because that's what your brain does, right? It creates thoughts. Your mind creates thoughts, right? But it's to stop the chasing of thoughts, okay? And to just take in what's in front of you or what's touching you or what you smell or whatever, right? Um, no filters, right? What is it? Okay. It's this in this moment. Okay. Now, what if we start assessing it, right? Well, this has a smell that's kind of like that thing over there, but it's not quite. And it's kind of combined with these notes over here or when I taste it, right? Kind of, oh, I taste, okay, I taste salt. I taste, right? Okay. That's a different mindset, right? That's vipassana, right? That's this insight observing. That's a different state. It's a different function of mind, right? But all of these things, whether we're looking at at uh, insight or following uh, base meditation, whether we're looking at visualization, I just led a bunch of uh, students, my inner circle guys, through a uh, visualization uh, exercise, uh, what was it, uh, Friday morning? That ended up being a punch in the face, okay? Um but it all starts with shamatha, right? It all starts with this idea of stilling the mind, calming the mind, so that your mind takes on this mirror-like quality, right, so that you can see clearly what's in front of you, right? I mean, it's one thing having mind like moon where there's this understanding and, and knowledge uh, you know, I learned this little fact about this thing, so now somebody can't blow smoke up my butt and convince me that something else is true or whatever, right? Okay. Um, I've had these experiences that t- that tell me that look, gravity works. Okay, it doesn't matter if I trip or I trip him, right? Gravity's going to help. Okay. Um, but if what we're what we're in- interacting with, right? we're not so clear about that thing, then we're not going to be able to apply lessons to that situation because we, we're not seeing the situation for what it is. Okay. Uh, and we'll talk about some of these things, right? Because as we go down through these hindrances, I'm going to directly relate these things to different aspects of training. Okay. Different aspects of a fight or a self-defense situation, right? 
And if our mind's not right, right, if one of these hindrances is operating, right, we're not seeing the situation clearly. And so we're likely to try the wrong tool. We're likely to, you know, um, fail miserably because our skill sucks, right? Uh, we're likely to run into something that is totally unexpected because what we trained for doesn't exist in the world kind of thing. Um, or, you know, we've deluded ourselves into believing that, uh, you know, things are going to be one way when now it shows up in front of us and we're completely unprepared because, well, and, and uh, like I said, we'll, we'll go into those things. Um, but you know what? Let, let's do this. I, I know I said if I have time, but I'm, I'm going to take the time here, okay? Because we want to take a look at the nature of of water, nature of mind, from this idea of stillness, okay? From this idea, how do we get to stillness, okay? Um, and in our Mikio uh, study, there's this analogy of uh, the ocean, okay? The ocean. And it's used to describe the depths of samadhi. Okay? Samadhi means absorption, right? So we can say, you know, our skill level is getting higher, right? Or we can say that we're going deeper, right? In this case, the analogy has us going deeper, right? But again, it uses the ocean, right? And so there are these different phases, these different levels, okay? Um, we're probably only going to talk about maybe three, right? But there's four or five, whatever, okay? I'm, I'm just not going to pick it apart as deeply because, well, that's not the nature of our relationship at the moment, and that's not the point of this class. But we're going to start on the surface of the ocean, okay? And we're in a boat, okay, on the surface of the water, okay? So this is the nature of most people's minds, Okay? So we're, we're there, right? We're kind of going along with what's happening, right? We're going along with life. We're going along with, uh, the, uh, the situation at hand, right? Or maybe we're in control. Maybe we're not going along with things. We've decided that we're going to, right? So we're navigating the boat, okay? But see, here's the thing, right? If we're on the surface, we'll talk about this a little bit more when we get to the hindrances. The surface of the water, the surface of the ocean or river or lake or whatever, right, is subject to the weather, outside forces, okay? So if we're all surface level, right, when it's a nice day and the water's calm, great, okay, smooth sailing, so to speak, okay? But if it starts getting windy, it doesn't just get windy where the wind's blowing the sailboat around or whatever or making the boat rock or whatever, right? The wind affects the surface of the water and creates waves. So depending on how the wind's going or high-pressure, low-pressure systems and all this kind of stuff, right, we could start getting rocked around or we could start getting jostled and there could be this feeling that at any moment – this whole thing could just go to hell in a handbasket, right? We could just be capsized and call it a damn day, and it's all over, okay? And for most people, this is what life feels like, right? 
they tend to focus or want to focus on one of these things or not, right? But the reality is that they're at the at the whim of external forces. Okay, there really isn't a a groundedness. Okay, where they know about themselves, they know about like this is life, right? And this is life for a human being, right? Not pessimistic, not op- optimistic, not nihilistic, realistic, right? Through not only study but also observation and experience, right? So, well, is is it always like that? No, of course not, right? So this is very surface level kind of things, right? So when we begin to practice, when we begin to take control of our mind, right? It's like now the boat that we're in is a submarine, okay? And we're going to submerge below the surface of the water. Because remember, the surface of the water is what's being affected, right, by the storm, okay? So if we drop below the surface of the water, okay, the water would have to be kicked up pretty good for us to feel that jostling around, okay? Uh, I don't know if you've ever gone swimming, ocean, pool, whatever, right? But in a pool, you can close your eyes, and if you sink down a little bit, right, you just kind of float there or whatever, right? But unless somebody, if somebody swims by, and the the current, right, the the the, the eddies and whatnot kicked up by their by their movement, right? If they get close enough, you'll feel that. Oh, okay, there it is, right? But it's not nearly as jarring as being in a little boat on the surface, okay? So there's less disturbance, right? And there's names for all of these things, you know, bliss and whatever, right? We don't need to go into these things, right? What's important, though, is that with sufficient practice, where we're able to get to this next level, right, there's less disturbance. There's more calmness. Now, it's not perfect because as things get, you know, worse and worse or surprising or whatever, we can still feel it, right? And we're going to have to stabilize, right? We're going to have to make sure that, you know, whatever doesn't happen that sucks us back up to the surface. Next thing you know, we're in the middle of the raging storm, whatever, okay? So, but if we sink a little bit lower, Right? We can feel that less and less. There has to be a bigger disturbance for us to feel it. Okay? But there's this level that if we can get to a certain depth, and I don't know if I have any guys that, that are um, uh, scuba divers or uh, even snorkelers, right? We can go deeper, right? I'm assuming I don't have any pearl divers uh, in, in the group. Maybe. But the point is, is that if we keep submerging, we keep going deeper, right? And this is a key word in the Isuka Sensei's dojo. We keep going deeper, right? Um, we don't feel anything, right? There could be a storm raging on the surface, right? 100-foot waves. Everything feels the same, Right? Fish are swimming, 
It just feels calm and peaceful. Right? Does that mean the storm is not raging? No. What it means is that in my head and my heart, I'm not being thrown around by that storm. Okay? So I'm I'm in the same body of water. I'm in the same I'm in the same environment. Well, I'm in the same medium, right? I'm in the same realm. But I'm not in the same environment. The environment is different, not because the water or the ocean is different. It's because my place in it, the way I'm relating, right? The the depth to which I'm engaging, it's all different. My experience is different. Okay, so now can we come up, you know, of course, right? That's the idea of the Bodhisattva, right? We have this ability, but we're going to go to whatever level to meet somebody else. That's kind of a meeting the minds, right? Whatever, right? So that we can help them, right? Because only when we have the skill set, right, and that's how we live, can we lead somebody to that to that point, right? Otherwise, we're just throwing around cliches, right? Thus have I heard, right? So, again, it's 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 the depth, right, of of our absorption or connection or experience with things, right, and our ability to hold ourselves there. Okay, so. I want you to remember this idea of disturbance, okay, and the water and how much the water gets disturbed. Because I only talked about a, 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 um, a storm on the surface, right? And if we can position ourselves relative to that storm, right, in such a way, you know, it's, it's the difference between choosing to live in a certain area of the city where you're right in the middle of a drive-by zone, right, Sirens every night, the possibility of bullets flying through your windows, your kids being in danger, all that kind of stuff, and choosing to move someplace where, you know, skies are blue and your neighbors say hi and you don't have to worry about gangbangers driving by, right? But we make these choices, okay? But the idea behind this lesson, behind this mind like water, right, is is about what we're doing with our mind, the degree to which we train it. Okay. Cause again, when I started the episode before we went to the, to the uh, intro, right. What I said was what I repeated was a lesson that one of my teachers had given me. You are either in control of your mind or your mind is in control of you. Okay. And I've come to believe or come to know that to be true. Right. We either train it so that we are the master of our mind or we leave it untrained and we're at the whim of whatever thoughts, feelings, pictures, stories, or whatever it generates. Right? Um, anyway, so, but again, the, the first goal is to achieve this idea of this this first level of samadhi which or that, not first level this this bliss level right which is not about happiness or anything like that right 
bliss is, is, it's even beyond contentment, right? In that it doesn't matter what's going on, right? I am okay. I will be okay, okay? Um, there's a saying in, in Buddhism that if you have a problem and you can do something about it, don't worry. If you have a problem and you can't th- do anything about it, don't worry, right? The implication is if you can do something about it, you will, and then you'll solve the problem. If you can't do anything about it, right? Um, now, assuming that you've already explored it and you can see it clearly, and you don't just assume that there's nothing you can do about it, okay? Because, I mean, if, if you don't think you can do anything about something, you're absolutely right, okay? Because nothing's going to happen, right? But the idea is if you can't do anything about it, then what you're dealing with are forces outside of your control, which will pass, right? This too shall pass, right? Uh, or it's a product of your own past karma that's cooking itself off. And remember... Rule of karma is once set in motion, karma must play itself out. Okay. No matter how long or quickly, uh, short or long of amount of time that that's, that's going to take. Okay. Just the rule of karma. Right. As long as you're translating karma correctly, right? The word karma means action. Okay. It doesn't mean fate. Doesn't mean destiny. Doesn't mean all this other bullshit that people come up with to sell cool little rings and pendants and books. Okay. So, um, if we just look at the Sanskrit word, Karma means action and implies cause and effect, right? So, anyway, and I'm sorry if that butt hurt anybody, but okay, let's clarity starts with being able to see things for what they are. And if you're going to learn something foreign, you should probably learn how it's properly defined and not how it's defined by guesswork, which happens a lot in the martial arts. People have a hard enough time trying to define their everyday life, and they're going to assume that they can translate something that comes from a foreign land created and described by foreigners who see the world differently, right? Their culture is different and all that. That's hard enough. Now translate that back a couple of millennia, a couple of thousand years, to a time when modern Japanese or Chinese or Korean people or whatever, right, can't relate. Right. They have to do some serious study to understand the difference between their modern world and what and and what certain things mean and how things are seen as opposed to something way back in the day. Right. So anyway. All right. So the the idea is to have this mirror like mind. Right. Um, In some I'm going to say some dojo, because for a lot of folks, um, they they. They, they create a kamida like they see in Japan or whatever, right? This kamidana, this shelf with, with things on it, whatnot, right? They create it be, as a mirror, right? They make it look like what was in the dojo, right? What's in hombu, whatever, okay? Um, without really understanding what those things mean and what they're there for, okay? And those, those symbols can actually mean different things depending on the perspective. Like you, you could have the same the, the same symbol, the same object on the kamiza, but it's going to be translated differently um, depending on whether you come at it from a Buddhist perspective or a Taoist perspective or a Shinto perspective, whatever. 
is there overlap? Of course, right? But again, again, there's there's this idea, right? And those things are up there to represent goals or history or whatever, right? And and understanding it um, is more than it takes more than just imitating it, right? You're not really imitating it, right? You're just taking a mental snapshot and recreating it, but are you imitating or are you recreating the essential nature of it? Because you can have completely different objects on your Kamiza, but they mean exactly the same thing as what would be on there in Japan. And you, if you understand the principles, the concepts and all that that are being symbolized, then it doesn't matter that the objects are different, right? But if you if you imitate it, right, you go and buy all the same stuff and you put it up there, so your kamiza looks just like the one at Hombu, right, but you don't understand the symbolism, then you didn't recreate anything, okay? Anyway, so uh, so again, the, the goal is to have this mirror-like mind because, again, on one side we have illumination, right, understanding, knowledge, intellect, okay? On this other side, what we have with this mind like water is clarity, right? It's a different type of clarity. One is external, right? I am understanding what I see, mind like moon, right? My my intellect or my knowledge, experience and all that lights things up. So I can see an honest person for a for a fake. I can see that kind of stuff, right? I can I know based on the way this guy stands and holds his hands, right? He's not me, right? So I can't just project the way I fight on top of somebody else and then just assume that that's what's going to be going on, right? So the way he holds his hands relative to his shoulders, that kind of thing, right, tells me to a great deal, um, you know, is this guy a hook puncher? Is he a straight puncher? That kind of thing, right? The way he holds his shoulders, the way he drops his brow, uh, the way his feet are turned in or straight or the, the distance between his legs and whatnot, right? If I've done my research, it tells me what kind of a stylist he is, what kind of a fighter he is, right? What style, right? And what, what preferences he has, okay? That's mind like moon. Mind like water is having a mind that in the moment you're not attached to what you want something to be what you need it to be, what you wished it were. You see it for what it is. In the self-defense realm, that's really, really important because that allows me to identify something that's coming at me or to see it or whatever very, very quickly, and which means I'm going to respond to it very, very quickly, right? If I've got those rose-colored glasses on, if I've got this this belief that this guy's this or whatever, right, and then he throws something that doesn't fit my belief system, it's going to throw me off. It's going to surprise me, right? It's going to take more processing time. Could take a lot more if that thing lands, right? And then, so my response time is going to be slowed down, all that kind of stuff, because I'm, I'm jumping all over the place, right? Because I'm attached to what I'm, what I'm looking at is not what's there. I'm looking at an illusion. I'm looking at a projection. Okay? We call it transference in philosophy, or not philosophy, uh, psychology, right? 
Um, so I think this way. So I assume that everybody thinks this way. And when they don't, I go, how could you not think that? I mean, this is common sense. Really? Well, apparently it's not all that common because not everybody does it. Okay. So, uh, again, it's a, it's an ego projection and all that. But anyway, right. So let's do this. Um, we're going to take a look at something again without our Miko training, right? There are these, uh, this is body of knowledge known as the five hindrances. And then there's also the five cures, right? To the hindrances. We're not going into the cures tonight, right? Uh, if you get, uh, if you've gone through or in the future go through the ninja mind program or the first seven steps on the path of a Buddha program, they're both covered. Okay. And by the way, those are both one or the other, uh, preferably the first seven steps, but Ninja Mind will work. They're prerequisites to getting into even the first stage of actual formal Mikyo uh, training because you need to understand those uh, or the rest of it doesn't make sense, right? It just seems like uh, mumbo jumbo, woo woo, gibberish kind of stuff, right? So anyway, my dog came to visit. My stepson's home from the Air Force, so I think he's like confused between where he needs to be. Anyway, right? Now he's laying down, so he must be comfortable. Anyway, okay, so um, the five hindrances, right? Just bring up some notes that I had here because I want to I want to make sure that I uh, I do these things some justice. And again, we're just it's going to be a broad stroke kind of uh, kind of thing, right? Because this is not a Mikyo class. You're not probably right. I didn't see anybody on that's one of my Mikyo students, right? So we don't we're not going to go that deeply, but. There are these five hindrances, okay? And sometimes you'll see them worded a little bit differently, but it's the same thing, right? Some are just like old, old words, right? And so I, I like using newer kind of things and more simple terms. Uh, and somebody the other, uh, last week, two weeks ago, um, somebody new in my, in my distance program and, um, they said what, what, they really appreciated was my ability to make complicated things simple. And that doesn't mean that I simplify them or water them down, but either way, right? So one word, I want to use words that, that most people are going to understand. Okay. So again, it's when we, when we get back to the water, we're going to be taking a look at these, the, these things from the, from a uh, kind of a metaphorical, Right, a symbolic kind of uh, uh, reference. Okay, so anyway, the five hindrances, right, which are one sense desire. Okay, and that's your five senses. Okay, um, it's, it's wanting to do. Well, you know, I'll come back to these things in a minute. Right. So one is sense desire, two is ill will, three is laziness and tiredness, four is worry and restlessness, and five is doubt. Okay, these are the five hindrances. Right. These are the things that will get in the way while doing meditative practice. They get in the way when we're trying to learn something. They get in the way when we're trying to uh, engage and produce results. And they certainly get in the way in our ability to see clearly the person, experience, thing, whatever that's in front of us. Okay, And if they weren't true and we weren't trapped by these things, then we wouldn't have the kind of disappointment we have because it didn't live up to what? 
our expectations, okay? Which is a type of attachment, okay? So um, a lot of people get offended when I say these kind of things, um, but, you know, let's just pick something big that's going to be, for some people, a punch in the face, right? Um, We don't fall in love with other people. We don't make friends with other people, right? We fall in love with the image of the other person that we want to have of them or that we think that we have of them, right? We befriend a reflection of ourselves. And usually for a lot of people, what we're falling in love with or what we're befriending is what we hope will be the spackle to the holes in our own makeup. And what disappoints us is they didn't act in the way I needed them to act so that I could, I don't know what, make my assumptions, live life easily, get results produced, but I didn't have to do the work because that's what they're here for, whatever. Okay. But anyway, so the five hindrances, right? Sense, desire, ill will, call it anger, whatever, right? Uh, laziness and tiredness, worry and restlessness, and doubt. I know that sounds like a lot more, but laziness and tiredness is one category. Worry and restlessness, one category. Doubt, right? Okay. So, um, again, some other time we can go into these things much more deeply or probably in a different context, like a, like a program or something. But um, they are they are seen as a complete inventory of the kinds of distraction that we experience both on and off the meditation cushion, okay, or whatever seat you're using, okay? So uh, th- this shows up in a couple of different sutra and whatnot, but it doesn't really, doesn't really matter, okay? So, but what's, what's described, right, is that sense desire is like water that's tainted with dye, D-Y-E, okay? So here's what I want you to, want you to imagine again, right? That bowl of water, okay? Remember, we stuck our face out over the thing, and it's still, and it's mirror-like, so we see a reflection, right? It's not disturbed. It's not wobbling, right? So our face, the reflection of our face isn't jumping all over the place, right? It's like a flat, still mirror, right? No marks, no, just nothing, right? But let's take some food coloring, right, like comes... Uh, these little packs for making uh, or, uh, coloring Easter eggs. Or uh, I know growing up, everybody's house had like this little pack. You know, the company was McCormick, right? Had these little bottles, these little cone caps on them, right? And the color of the cone was the color of the dye, right? And you just kind of hold this over the water or whatever you were using, right? You'd drop in a drop or two, right? Um, and normally the stuff was then mixed up. Right. It's just diluted by some water so that you could tint or stain things. Right. But if you've ever done this, right, where you just kind of hold it over and you let a drop or two fall. Right. What happens is it hits the water and on the surface it spreads out a little. Right. Kind of moves out. Right. Not quite a ripple. Kind of spreads out because of the adhesion to the top of the water. But what you end up with is this cool little snake or, or uh, jellyfish kind of tentacle looking kind of thing as the weight of that dye moves down through the water, right? 
And you do that with a couple of colors and you get this really cool, um, this really cool pattern kind of thing going on, right? But, you know, it looks really cool, right? It's just, that's well, colorful and whatever, right? But if you were to look into that water again, right, you're going to have a hard time recognizing yourself because the colors and the, the shapes and whatnot, right, are going to be affecting the reflection, okay? And in one of the sutras it says, you know, um, uh, if this happens, right, uh, it would be uh, difficult for even an intelligent person to look into the water and be able to recognize themselves. And that's generally what's what's being used as the as the thing going down through all of these, right? An intelligent person, whatever, right? You know what's going on, but you have a hard time, like, grasping it because of whatever's going on, right? So remember, this is sense desire, okay? So what we're being pulled around by, right, um, you know, you know, if we're addicted to things, right, we need to be looking at certain things or we're always being distracted by certain things, right? TV's on, can't not look. Um, you know, hot guy or girl walks by, can't not look. Uh, whatever, right? Um, or ugly things too, right? You can't not point it out. Oh, it's like ugliest car I've ever seen. Whatever, right? You're just being tracked all over the place, okay? Uh, but I want you to think about this from the perspective of our martial arts training, right? And again, my perspective is always coming at things from a self-defense, real-world survival kind of thing. And I know a lot of people make assumptions that that's what it's all about. But hopefully at the end of this episode, you're going to recognize that just because it looks like doesn't make it so, okay? So from this perspective, this hindrance, I want you to think about this in the perspective of not just hindrance to a clear mind, but how this hindrance, right, how the, the muddled mind, so to speak, right, because of the hindrance affects our training in a way or reflects our actions in a way that makes us less or absolutely incapable of doing what we think we're training to do. In this case, remember the colors and the patterns and all that kind of stuff, right? What we're talking about is the fanciness, right? Cool moves and all that kind of stuff that attracts us, right? This is what fighting is all about, right? A lot of people believe that because they're on a heavy bag and they're slamming away and all that kind of stuff, right, that they're actually training to fight. No, they're training to make their body and their fist conditioned for slamming and hitting a certain way. But, right, are we leaving ourselves open? Because the bag's not punching or kicking back, okay? So are we leaving ourselves open while we're punching, right? Are we doing certain things with our body because we want to feel, right, that level of confidence because we can hear that loud you know, thud as we're hitting, right? We want to watch the bag swing and bounce around regardless of whether or not we're leaving ourselves open, regardless of whether or not that style of punching is a good idea strategically or tactically, whatever, right? So, and and for people that are much farther off on this, right, where, I mean, the bowl of water is, like, very colorful, right? 
You add too many colors to that bowl of water, right? What do all colors mixed together turn into? Brown. Looks like shit. Okay? But there's arrogance going on. There's fantasy going on, right? They fantasize about being the super lone ninja, just like in the movie and all that kind of stuff, right? But they confuse a fight in the ring or the high school hallway fight or the fight in the bar over the girl or whatever being the same as what that bubble's going to be like when somebody's coming at you to remove you from the world. It's not a fair fight. Those kind of things, right? But they can't see the difference, okay? So in this case, we're being lulled by what we want to experience, what we want to see, what we want to feel, whatever. Regardless of whether it's right, right? We can just delude ourselves into believing that that's, of course I'm doing it the right way. Really? Okay. Well, I wish you well. Okay. Um, but that what ends up happening, if this hindrance is in the way, is they could likely take that big fall because they're going to run into something that they're never going to see. It's kind of like when we're training in the dojo. Again, here's a sense desire thing, right? A student wants, you know, they don't feel comfortable with pressure, right? So, uh, you know, the, the punch has to be soft. It has to be slow at a certain speed, right? They don't ever want to be shaken. They don't ever want to be surprised or, the, you know, the thought of getting hit or whatever just scares the shit out of them, right? So what they do is they control the environment. A lot of instructors do this too. They control the environment so they can be successful and masterful in that environment. But they're setting themselves up because they're never going to see on the street what they're 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 seeing in the dojo. Okay? There's a couple other things that we have to remember, right? Uh, I'm going to cover this uh, part of this um, in this week's uh, Whiteboard Wednesday, right? The technique is not the fight. The dojo is not the street. Okay? We can approximate things with drills, but ultimately, right? Even a sparring match is not a life or death, do or die kind of thing. Because there's things that you and your partner are not willing to do to each other. That a bad guy doesn't have that same kind of, uh, you know, filter. Okay? So, uh, again, when, when I get students in the dojo, I just pick up somebody that uh, has done uh, Taekwondo and some of those things. I'm like, this is great, right? Make sure you keep those skills honed. Right? Because when we start to do some techniques that are against those kind of attacks, right, um, we can do a couple of things. We can do a, like a workshop where you're teaching everybody how to do that correctly, right? So, oh, okay, so you're going to use that in a fight. Well, I might, but chances are no. What I need is everybody at least minimally proficient with those kicks or those attacks from that particular martial art. So that when they're the uke for their training partner, they're doing it the way a practitioner of that art will do that kick. If not, they're going to be throwing something that the student will never see. 
right? So it's a part of the learning thing, right? And on top of that, I'm going to need you to be on top of your game. So when I'm demonstrating the technique, I'm demonstrating it against somebody that knows how to throw that kick. Not thinks they know, knows, and can do it well, right? So anyway, um, before we move on to, to the next one, excuse me, let me just jump over here to my, where is it? My studio, there we go. Okay. Any questions or comments about uh, the idea with the sense desires, right? If we're, if we're, and again, this happens when we move around the world anyway, right? We don't want to look over there because that makes me uncomfortable to look at that kind of thing. I don't want to hear those kind of words or whatever because, um, you know, I, I don't like to listen to that kind of stuff, which could also be about self-criticism. And I don't you know. There's a lot of people that won't even look in the mirror because they don't look like they don't look like what they look like. OK. OK, great. So. I guess we'll just have people not tell you that you get a booger hanging out of your nose. Or whatever it happens to be, right? Um, they're always they're always heading in the same direction, right? And again, this is this goes back to the three desires in in Mikyo and our esoteric Buddhist uh, background and whatnot, right? Ignorance, desire, and hatred, right? So we want things. We always want things to be the way we want them, and we want to avoid all the things that we don't want to have to deal with. Okay? You know, okay, we call that childhood, okay? Because adults recognize that. Sometimes you have to go through the things that you didn't want to have to deal with so that you can develop the knowledge, understanding, skill sets, and experience so the next time that pops up, you can handle it much more easily, right? Does that mean we liked it? No. But that doesn't relieve us of our responsibility to have to deal with it, okay? So can I can I get this? Anybody that's online, can you just kind of like give me a thumbs up or something like that so I know that... Um, we're actually I'm actually broadcasting, right? Because um, like I'm seeing the same same faces, same people. Um, I just want to make sure that uh, like we're we're still on. Oh, there's my background noise. Anybody? I hate to think that I was just ah excellent. Thank you, Phil. Awesome. Okay. So uh, I guess I have, and Greg Beerley is on. Excellent. All right. Thank you. Okay. So let's move on to the next one. All right. So ill will, right? Ill will could show up as resentment. It could show up as anger. It could show up as um, as dislike, dissatisfaction, whatever. Okay. So um, ill will, again, we're back to the water metaphor, right? Okay. So sense desires like water tainted with dye, right? Ill will is like boiling water, right? I don't care if it's a slow boil or a simmer or a full-on rolling boil, right? B-O-I-L, right? Um, well, I guess that could be – that's not like the other boil, right? Anyway, so, um, again, as the sutra says, right, um, even an intelligent man looking into the water, right, would, would find it almost impossible to – to see himself. It is impossible to see himself clearly. Okay? So if we have resentment, if we have anger, if we're in a rage, whatever, right? I don't care if we're talking about a self-defense situation or we're trying to solve anything else, right? 
there's a reason that we have a term, blinded by rage, right? Or blinded by anger, right? Whatever, right? And what is it, right? It's this overly charged emotional state, right, that is trying to get rid of things as quickly as possible. Hello, Duke. How are you? Right? You need to tell your brother you need to go out because I can't do it. Yep. I love you, but I can't do it. <laughs> All right. So anyway, um, so and that's what we're looking at, right? So in, in situations, go lay down. Well, they um, anger and, and, and these kind of things are, are just going to just blow over things, right? We're going to charge in blindly. We're going to, uh, you know, react to things, um, probably blowing them out of proportion, right? We're just, we're, we're not, we're not, we're not in a calm mind kind of position, Right. So our internal state, right, is just, just smoking everything, right? It's just, you know, and on top of that, what, what comes from boiling water? What else is, what else is happening, right? Steam, okay? So steam, mist, those kind of things, right? We have, we have that as a metaphor in a lot of our kata, right? Um, uh, Musan and, and some of these other ones, right? Disordered snow and, and, uh, and, and things like that, right? That points to how difficult it is to see something clearly on the other side of this mist or fog or steam or whatever, right? That that the, the image has been dulled or it's it's you know very very unclear, and so we can't see detail, right? We're going to miss things that are critical for being able to make good decisions. Okay. Um, and again, that's in all walks of life, right? But think about it, right? I mean, we could be angry, um, you know, because somebody's attacking us, right? Um, and I get it, right? How dare you come at my family, right? But we can't let that indignance rule the day, okay? Because we're going to have a problem, right? We need to be able to see what this person is doing what they're up to so we can meet them with the right answer, okay? If we're just in a blind rage and, you know, we've got shit flying all over the place or whatever, we're not, we're not dealing with what's in front of us, okay? Often people will uh, jump to causing a problem, blowing it out of proportion because uh, they take offense to everything, right? Or the person that they're dealing with, for whatever reason, Consciously, unconsciously, subconsciously, whatever, right? They don't like them. They don't like what they look like. They don't look like what they stand like, stand for. They don't like how they dress. They don't like how they carry themselves, whatever, right? So now this person will drive you to anger and maybe even doing or saying something that will start something that a few minutes ago wasn't even a possibility, okay? Um so, again, right, clarity, okay? So, anger, we get it, how anger can distort clarity, okay? All right, I'm just going to keep moving forward because I'm looking at the time here. So, uh, all right, next one is laziness and tiredness, right? Laziness and tiredness, right? Uh, laziness, sleepiness, that kind of thing, right? The, the teachings say that laziness and sleepiness is like water covered over 
with slimy moss and water plants. It's like stagnant water, right? Um, in the summertime at the dojo, right, we run a, uh, run a couple of kids' camps. And uh, just about every camp, there's uh, one day where we take them on a field trip to a local nature preserve. Uh, I say local, it's about 45 minutes away. But uh, we take them to this nature preserve, um, and, you know, we take them to the nature center, and they can learn about our region and all that kind of stuff, right? But then we take them on a nature hike, okay? And, you know, I discuss different things, and uh, kids that have been there previous years will watch, uh, like, fallen logs or whatever decay over time. And they'll be, like, really, you know, they're just learning different lessons about nature, right? And so um, along this, this trail, right, it takes us right past this really big pond, okay? Lots of uh, lily pads, you know, water lilies, that kind of stuff, right? Um, a lot of frogs, toads that will jump in, right? Um, stirs up the water and, and makes it um, cloudy and that kind of thing. Hold on to that one. We'll get back to that. Um, but what everybody notices is that, uh, especially when we're there, right, these water lilies are in full bloom. There's this green moss growing over the top, right? There's this layer and whatnot, right? So they'll, they'll hear like a toad jump into the water, but then they go to look to find it and they can't, they can't see, they can't see beyond the surface, right? Um, you know, because all this stuff is in the way, right? Um, we go to look and we can't see anything, okay? This is like the crusties on our eyes. This is like the, you know, the lowered eyelids and whatnot, right? Okay, so, um, if we're lazy, if we're tired, if we're, um, if we're just not willing to put that much energy into things, okay? Um, you know, why is that? Well, it's just too much work, man. I mean, look at all this shit that I have to clean up. Look at all the stuff I have to move out of the way so I can actually see. Okay? Oh, come on, man. Who has time for that? Okay? Now, think about, maybe you know some people like this, right? Think about the dojo. Okay? Well, I, I, I don't like rolling. I don't, I don't like doing that thing. I, you know, do I have to do it to this level? Whatever, right? Can I just do this, um, you know, and get my belt and whatnot? Okay? Um, People just aren't willing to put in the the level of work, right? They settle for good enough, right? Instead of, again, starting with the clarity of this person's coming at you with possibly murderous intent. At the very least, right, you know, there's a whole range, right? I, I just sum it up as they're looking to beat, break, or kill you. Break includes maiming, right? Beat, break, or kill you, Okay. How do you know what skills you're going to need, right? What's going to be good enough out there, right? So, but, you know, it's, right? And I, I, I will say this in the dojo, and some of you probably already heard this, either virtually or um, actually in classes, right? And uh, I, I say it to people that I know play video games um, and most of the kids in the dojo, right, during their class, right? You know, somebody will say, man, this is really hard. And they'll go, I know. It's much easier to get the guy on the screen to do it than it is for you to actually be able to do it with your own body. That takes work. Okay. But, okay. But is it just wanting to do or not wanting to do things in the dojo? No. 
I just had a hard day of work, man. I just got home. I ate. You know, I'll go to class a different day because, you know, I'm just, I'm too beat. I don't feel like putting my clothes back on or I don't feel like putting my shoes. I don't, you know, whatever. Okay. Do you have classes or how about the people that stop off at the dojo, right? Do you have classes or could you put classes in like, like I get off work at like 3.15. You could have a class at 3.30 because it's only like a 12 minute drive to the dojo. Right. Like 3.30. And then I'd like to be eating with my family at five. So like 3.30 to 4.30 would be like ideal. I've never had somebody who's come in and needed everything to be rearranged for them be a fully committed student, ever, ever, okay? As a matter of fact, I found that the more concessions I make for the lazy, okay, and that includes, wow, man, tuition's really high. Wow, I mean, can't we make it like this, right? The people that do what needs to be done, to show up at class, come up with a tuition, all that kind of stuff, right? Stay longer, complain less, and make more progress. The people that get lots of concessions, right, the lazy, right, um, quit sooner, complain more, and, oh, quit sooner, right? It's just the way it works, right? No matter how many promises of being the prodigal son, I will be the best student you've ever had, please, right? Yeah. Days, weeks, maybe, maybe months, maybe, and probably count on three fingers over 40 years. Uh, how many lasted months? Uh, okay. Lazy is as lazy does. Tired is as tired. Okay. But this also points to right how much control we have. Okay. Lazy is one thing, right? But tiredness. Okay, that can put us into a sluggish kind of right state too, because we're not able to keep our energy levels up. We're not able to to perform when we're exhausted. Okay. Nobody's gonna care that you just defended yourself against somebody bigger, faster, whatever, right? And it was quite the battle to subdue this person and you, you you go to go away, right? And you're confronted by two of his friends who came on the scene and they're fresh as daisies. And now, now what? Oh, shit, I guess you win. No. Right? So, again, right? Where are we, right? So, how we carry ourselves, what we focus on, right? How easily we're lulled to other things, right? Um, everything changes, right? I mean, it's, it's going to change the outcome, okay? So part of the clarity, the mind, is also minding mind. It's one of the biggest lessons the Buddha gave his, his disciples before his death, okay? Even the enlightened must continually mind mind. They must con- continually be mindful of the state of their own mind, less they backslide. Okay. All right. Let's, uh, let me jump over here, see if anybody had any comments, complaints, <laughs> whatever along the way. All right. So, uh, questions, comments, anything? So I've got two more to cover.
All right. So I don't see anything. I'll check back here in just a minute. Back to my notes. Okay. So uh, that was lazy and tiredness, right? So worry and restlessness. Okay. So the sutra says that worry, restlessness, that kind of thing, right? Anxiety, anxiousness, those kind of things, right? Is like water whipped by the wind. Right? And we talked about that, right? Okay. Got that storm, external circumstances or whatever, right? But this can also be, right, um, that there's a sense of fear that's going on, okay? There's a sense of worry that um, we're, we're just not sure if we're going to make it, right? So uh, I see this as, again, we're in the situation, right, the Gyoko-Yu actually has as a way to, to cure this ahead of time. Well, if you practice correctly with the right mindset. But anyway, um, there is this, this overwhelming need to win or a fail or fear of losing, right? And that's dominating our thoughts the entire time, right? Minds all over the place, right? And so we're scattered, right? Um, you know, if, if I, if I miss a shot, right. And I dwell on the fact that I missed that, right. In that moment, I'm thinking about a past moment. Yeah. It was only a couple of microseconds ago, but I'm focusing on that and I'm not going to see the punch that's nailing me in the face. Right. Or, uh, I've got this, this, this fear of failing. So I run blindly in, right. This is not the same as anger, right. I blind, I run blindly in to try to end this very, very quickly, but I'm not paying attention to what he's doing, okay? Um, so, uh, again, and, 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 and agitation, right? So, you know, let's say that my favorite technique is onikudaki, right? Okay, when he throws that punch, I'm going to, right? Well, now you're not even paying attention to what he's doing or whether or not onikudaki's, a, again, remember that clarity kind of thing, Right? It's supposed to give us the ability to see things more quickly because we're watching what is happening, not what we want to be happening or not what we hope happens or not what we're afraid that might happen. Okay? It's what's happening so we can respond faster. Okay? Knowing my techniques and what the setup is for it and when it's appropriate and when it's not and all that, right? That allows me to just forget about techniques so when something comes at me, right? Just based on where my limbs are and where his limb is and where my position to him and how things are moving and all that, it just it just kind of happens, right? Because I trust my training. I trust that I've done what I needed to in training to get to that point. Not just learn the moves, but my mind works properly. I've learned to recognize. I didn't just learn the technique at the level, whatever belt level where I was introduced to the technique, I learned what a proper setup is and what maybe a secondary, tertiary kind of uh, position still allows for that to happen as a possibility. But I'm also not uber attached to the technique that if I try it and it starts to fall apart, I don't wrestle to make it happen so much that I'm attached to the technique. I call it being married to the technique, right? And meanwhile, I'm getting punched in the back of the skull and killed because I won't let go, okay? 
So it's just this, this, you just being, you just being yanked around by all these thoughts and hopes and fears and desires and whatnot. Meanwhile, back in reality, we're not watching what's actually happening. Okay. Anxiety can also be there because we come face to face with the recognition that we've been bullshitting ourselves the entire time. And now, mm, we have to put up or be permanently shut up. Okay? It's not the same as put up or shut up because that's all voluntary. Okay? But this can also lead to the fifth hindrance, which is doubt. Okay? Doubt is about confidence. Okay? Doubt, from the sutra, doubt is like water, agitated, stirred up, muddied, and put in a dark place. Okay? So, you know, you, you've got, uh, let's say we'll go back to that pond, right, that I take the students to, right? And so, um, you know, if, if we let water, you know, muddy water and whatnot sit long enough, right, that's that stillness. Practice Zen, practice Shamatha long enough, right, the shit settles, right? The water clears and now we've got that mirror surface. But if we stick something in there and stir it around. We drop a pebble in there. Whatever, right? Okay? So we're fine. I, do you know anybody that's really, really good with meditation unless a sound happens? Right? Truck goes by and now they're pissed off because the truck went by. I was doing really well until that truck went by. Really? Okay? So you're, you can meditate as long as conditions are perfect. But when life is happening then everything goes to hell, right? So what we're looking at is is it's really about confidence, right? So if we're confident in our skills, if we're confident in our ability to assess the situation, if we're confident in uh, our ability to handle different types of attackers, right? We're already going to carry ourselves differently. You can see this in the world, right? People that are secure in their skills, not arrogant, that they're not using this as a veneer, as a facade, right? To, to present to the world that they're really a confident, tough, uh, assertive person, right? When really they're not, right? Again, it's a facade. It's a false front, right? And we know this because as soon as something happens, they cave. Okay, so this doubt, right, is, let's go back to that thing where, you know, I'm in there, but it's not anxiety now. Could be, but it's, I forgot to train against this type of person. Sensei kept saying, look, 98, 99% of the people you're ever going to deal with, right, are going to throw a jab and a right cross. But you only wanted to train with this classical ski or, you know, as if you were a 14th century warrior or whatever, right? In a foreign land, um, wearing clothing and whatnot that doesn't exist where you are, right? Or you didn't come to class when we scheduled street clothes days because, well, see, you know, I'm a martial artist. So when I train, I've got to be in my uniform, Right. And I have to have my special training shoes on. 
and all that. Well, now you're at work and you're wearing freaking steel-toed boots or you're wearing sneakers or you're in tight jeans or whatever. And, uh-oh, you forgot that the dojo, remember what I said earlier, the dojo is not the fight environment, right? So chances are you're not going to be attacked in a big open room or a big open lot, right? Well, he might jump in my front yard. He might, right? Where else? Okay? So, but we're, we're, we're in this sterile environment, right? Just like, you know, not that a, being in a ring in competition and whatnot is not a way to test your skills. It is, but we can't forget that there's a ref to make sure that the fight stays fair. There's somebody to break it up, right? There's, uh, you know, time limits. So, you know, you could be losing and the bell rings. You're almost unconscious, but you haven't been counted out. Bell rings. Guess what happens? They drag you off to the corner, throw some water in your face, and wake you up, and you survive for another round. That has not been my experience on the street. Okay? So, but doubt is, we know what, we know what doubt is, right? Shit. But talking a good game and now, or, uh, doubt can also show up like I hear from martial artists all the time where, um, you know, somebody tells me, you know, they tell me they earned a black belt or whatever. Oh, that's, that's awesome. And like in the next second, they'll say, yeah, but, I know how I handle like stress or somebody yelling or aggression or whatever. Yeah, I just don't, I just don't think I could use my stuff in a, in a real situation. So, I mean, I know I learned it. Right? Cause they know in their heart of hearts something's missing. Okay? All of these things, right? Contribute to a disturbed mind. And I don't, I don't necessarily mean it's just like disturbed, right? Could be. But it's in the moment where it's it's important, right? It's, you know, that life lesson to our kid or uh, our friend needs us because they're distraught or somebody's coming to kill us or somebody we love or whatever, right? In that moment that we're trying to produce the results that we want to produce. But for any one of these five reasons... We can't see the situation or the person or whatever clearly enough to not just throw shit out there and hope it sticks. Okay? And that's why I believe that it's imperative to learn this stuff. Well, the art believes it as well, or it wouldn't have been passed down, part and parcel, right? It may be described differently coming out of the scrolls, right? Because a warrior wrote it as opposed to the way it might come from a sage, from the spiritual side of things. But it's just, you know, there's a reason that this stuff is part and partial because you can have all the physical techniques you want, right? But if your head is off or your heart is off or you can't see things clearly, so mind like water is clear, it is also adaptive, right? It's flowing. It's not stagnant. It's not like an ice cube kind of thing, right? And if it is, it's it's a temporary condition, right? Water always changes, right? Gaseous, liquid, solid. 
different things affect it, and it becomes what needs to be for that kind of condition, right? So it, it is adaptive, and it's all these other things. I just chose for this session to really focus on the idea of clarity, okay? Doesn't take away from the other ones. Those are just other other uh, paths that would take just as long to cover, and I appreciate that you guys stick it out for hour, hour and a half, sometimes two hours when we're doing these things. So I'll not push it. Let's see. Steven says, expectation is the mother of disappointment. It is. It is. Okay. Um, but when we're training, right? Okay. I, I test my guys going for showdown and above using this little thing about expectation. Okay. I'll have, you know, friends who are coming in for a seminar, like spring camp. I mean, if, if one of my friends are coming in that's an upper level black belt, he may be billed as a breakout instructor or a co-instructor or whatever, and he is. But I'm if I'm looking at somebody for a promotion, I might also say, hey, when you're working with him or you're working with her, because you do me a favor every once in a while, like do X, Y, Z or whatever, right? So here's a case in point. Um, I'll demonstrate a technique and then – the students will go and do that, but my friend will have teamed up with my candidate, right? And let's say we're doing a grab and then kick kind of thing, right? And uh, next thing you know, he's throwing a punch at, at my student's face, right? I want to see if my student can drop the technique that was being demonstrated and do what the hell is going on, right? Regardless of, of the fact that we're all training this technique. Well, that's not what Sensei did. Well, you got punched in the face because you forgot that no matter what was demonstrated, that was not what was going on in the moment that you needed to move. Okay? Well, you're a tricky guy. Well, i got to figure it out somehow, right? Is my student attached to things and they're only a blind disciple, or have they actually learned something? Okay? Um, it was done to me, so why not? You know? Um but that doesn't necessarily have to be a, contri a contrived thing. You ever been training with somebody, right? And maybe the technique switched or whatever, right? And next thing you know, your partner was throwing something that was not part of the technique that you were doing, right? And then, you know, you get out of the way and you go, whoa, 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 we're working on this thing, this particular cop to XYZ, or it's supposed to be a hook punch or whatever. And they go, duh, sorry, man, brain fart, right? But you got out of the way. Okay? Just because the teacher demonstrated something or just because you expect that somebody's going to say something, do something, or whatever, doesn't mean that's what's going to happen. Okay? So, yes, we can – expectation is not a bad thing because if somebody's on a team and we're all working on the same project and they've got a certain function in that, then I expect they have their shit done and they're on time so that the rest of us aren't making up for their, their lack. Right? And if they're that kind of person – you're off the team because I only hang out with people that are responsible and whatever, okay? So does my expectation uh, – affect? yeah, it absolutely does. It affects how long you get to stay on my team, right? But you should also be able to expect that I'm doing my thing as well. 
or I will let you know if a problem arises so that, right? Okay. Um, but ultimately, human beings are human beings, and life is life, and the world is the world, right? And shit happens, okay? So the question isn't whether or not you expected something. It's why you expected it, okay? If I expect that that person thinks and makes decisions like I do because I'm just projecting, I'm transferring, right, my belief system onto somebody else, ignoring the fact that that's a different person and I haven't paid attention to how they operate and how they do things and whatever, that's on me. Right? So where am I going with this, right? So if I'm expecting that they're going to act the way I assume they will act, that's not the same as being in a group or being with somebody else where you have an agreed upon established set of standards or whatever, like as the teacher and just like my teacher, right? If I give you something, regardless of whether or not it's on the test, I expect that you will work on it. I also expect that if you don't want to or don't feel like it, that you will go somewhere else and train or not. Okay? And not just hang out because you're afraid you're going to miss something. Okay? Well, that's not fair because like everybody's the... No, no, no. I'm not playing this 21st century bullshit where feelings overrule things. Okay? The fact is we're training and learning in centuries-old warrior stuff to produce positive, productive results in the world from a very specific perspective as a warrior, as a protector, as an engaging, successful individual, right? And we're training to keep people, keep evil at bay, to keep monsters from doing monster shit. Yes, I expect that my students do what the hell they're supposed to be doing. Right? Otherwise, I just named off all those hindrances, right? The big one at the very front, sense desires. This doesn't feel like I expected it to feel. This doesn't look like what I expected it to look like, like I wanted the flying, flashy kicks and all that kind of stuff. I don't give a shit, okay? What sells movies very often does not, most often does not win fights. Right? Bill Superfoot Wallace, for any of you that are old enough to remember that name, right? Um, big in the 70s, early 80s kind of thing, right? God, man, he was known as Superfoot because his freaking kicks were lightning, okay? Um, and at one point in Black Belt Magazine, he had a column every month. He wrote an article. And one of the very first articles, if not the first one, addressed those kicks. They made a very, really, really important point, right? In a ring, with the safety mechanisms in a ring, I'll do those kicks. For movies, because they're flashy and they sell tickets, I'll do those kicks. In a back alley against somebody who's attacking me that could grab a weapon, might have a knife or whatever, not doing those kicks. It's the surest way to get myself cut or broken 
or I'm, I'm risking that he won't catch it or I won't slip, right, on whatever I'm on on the ground, right? If anybody's ever stepped on a piece of freaking cardboard, remember, back alley, right? Could be behind a restaurant or whatever. They've thrown shit away, but there's debris on the ground. If you've ever stepped on a flat piece of cardboard on a sidewalk or on macadam or, you know, whatever, right, pavement, whatever, you know that that thing will just slide across the ground, right? And his article was about those things. But see, people that are stuck in that sense-desire thing, they want the movie shit to be real. They need it to be real. Because they need the fantasy to be real. Life's messy. And I get it. That's part of why we act and learn and, and do what we need to do. But careful the patterns that you're attracted to. Right? Same thing with belt colors. Belt colors are there for your teacher to know at what level they describe a technique to you. But you know very quickly whether somebody's wrapped around sense desires because they need the belt. I worked hard for that. I'm not giving that up. Really? Hmm. When you take your martial arts uniform off, do you tie your belt back around your jeans? No, but I feel like something's missing. Well, see, now we got a problem, James. Or Bartholomew or Suzy Q or whatever. Okay? It's attachment. It's a hindrance to clarity. Now, we bring mind like moon and mind like water back together. Now we have intellect and knowledge, experience, study and research, right? Illuminating the situation so I can see what type of attacker, all that kind of stuff, right? Mind like water, clarity, I'm looking at what's there, adaptiveness, flow, responsiveness, right? Okay. Past to present, mind like moon, past to present. I'm bringing knowledge and experience and all that to be able to recognize what I'm seeing, right? Ah, okay, I can see a manipulator, this guy, right? Okay. Clarity, mind like water, is present to future. Experience and knowledge. I need to see what the hell's going on right now. So I can use the appropriate knowledge, tools, skills, or whatever in this moment because I need them now. It's kind of like the teacher-student paradigm, right? Um, In Mikyo, uh, as a matter of fact, the the name of my Mikyo part of the dojo, right, is Kongo Sata-in. Kongo Sata, Vajrasata, is this uh, diamond thunderbolt warrior, holds two... Uh, two symbolic objects. One is a Vajra, a Kane, uh, Dorje, whatever you know it as, right? Um, uh, in one hand, right, because it represents that which can be known, okay? That which is known, right? On the other hand, he holds a bell, okay? The bell, the ringing of the bell, represents the expression of truth. The, the, the uh, Sanko, Doko, Koko, right? The, the Diamond Thunderbolt 
Vajra, right, represents knowing, knowing truth. The bell represents the expression of truth, verbally, physically, okay? But Kongo Sata, there's a secret about Kongo Sata, right, because it's about knowledge. It's about knowing truth, seeking truth, all that kind of stuff, right? Kongo Sata is the symbol simultaneously of the teacher and the student. Depends on which side you're on. Are you seeking knowledge, in which case you're a student, or are you expressing knowledge, in which case you're a teacher? Okay? Teacher. Also student. But when am I what? Okay? Let's just stay within the martial arts world. Okay? In my dojo, teacher. I can still learn from my students, but primarily teacher. When I'm in my teacher's dojo, I'm a student, and I don't conflate the two. I don't try to teach other people things when I'm in student mode and I'm not experimenting with my stuff, right, while I'm in teacher mode taking time away from my students, okay? So let's do the same dichotomy thing, okay? When I am in student mode, I am in present to future mode. I'm in the moment learning things that I will work on and make me better in the future. When I am the teacher, I am in past to present mode. I am in the present presenting that which I have learned and developed and am now sharing. I don't conflate the two. Way too many teachers experiment, do their own thing, right? They're playing around and, and learning, right? Because teachers, teachers will often confuse teaching time with learning time. Okay? And you're wasting your students' time. Okay? So people go to Japan, learn all this new stuff, and then come back, and that's what they're working on in the dojo. Meanwhile, their students haven't learned the freaking, their basic kion. And I don't mean the kion up the sanchin, or whatever. I mean, like, how to freaking move your foot angle me- or ankle mechanism to maintain this level movement kind of thing, whatever, right? Your kiyo no kihon, right? Students aren't ready for that, right? Hatsumi Sensei always, always said, I teach from the 10th to 15th don uh, level in my classes. So why the hell would a teacher who was in student mode getting introduced to these things, I get it, go back, get some of your seniors, help you work on your stuff, let them know, look, I'm working on my stuff. If you guys can pull something from this, that's great, but we're, we're, we're this is me practicing today. You're my training partners. Okay. But why the hell would that person go back and throw all that stuff at students who've been around for a couple of days, couple of weeks, couple of months, nowhere near that level? I can't answer that question. Maybe I can. Sense desires, arrogance whatever okay so anyway the the same dichotomy is going on okay when i am in teacher mode i am mind like moon i am shining a light and presenting things so that people can see so they can see better so they can create their own level of understanding because things are being illuminated things are being pointed out 
when I am in student mode, I am mind like water. I am adaptive. Whatever my teacher wants to teach, even if before he said one thing and now he's saying something different, I don't go, yeah, but I recognize there's a reason. I can ask him about it later, but right now, he says, I do, right? And I am an open slate. I am that that mirror, right? My job is to echo back or reflect back that which is being presented so that he can see whether or not I'm ready for the next lesson or there's a ding in the mirror and there's something you're not seeing or understanding or you're warping it. Right. So get ready for the next lesson. Anyway, questions, comments, complaints, any one of them will do. That's maybe a simpler question. Did this make sense? Was it valuable and did it help? If the answer is yes, how so? If the answer is no, where are you confused? I'm going to have some of my diet, Dr. Pepper. No. Okay, well, while I'm waiting for people to type things out or whatever, okay, um, many of you probably already have seen the announcements and stuff that went out. We had to change the dates of spring camp. So it was originally scheduled for May 5th, 6th, and 7th due to some scheduling conflicts on my end um, and some personal family kind of things. Uh, I needed to move it, and so uh, I couldn't move it to the next weekend because that's Mother's Day weekend, and I know how – um, people tend to like walk on eggshells when it comes to like, you know, Mother's Day between mom and wife and whatever, right? So I don't want to risk like crippling the weekend kind of thing. So I moved it two weeks, right? So the new dates for spring camp 2023, um, is, uh, May 19th, 20th, and 21st. Okay. So, uh, there's a live, uh, option. There's also a virtual option. And there's a payment plan. If if you need that, uh, you can get details at OnlineNinjaAcademy.com. See, it's right there. See that? Okay. Forward slash events with an S, E-V-E-N-T-S. Okay. It's the first listing after my smiling face. Scroll down just a little bit. Okay. Um, and uh, get yourself in. Uh, Phil's already locked in. Phil only has a couple of uh, minutes to drive to, to class. Uh, no, Phil. <laughs> Phil, what state are you coming in again from? Is it Iowa? Or is it, it's not Idaho, I don't think. Is it? Which one is it? Huh? Either way, when he told me, um, and he told me how long it took him or how short it took him, I was like, holy crap, do you have Scotty beam you over here? Um, and if uh, if Phil can make it to training... Starts to shut down the excuses that everybody else has. Anyway, I just got some uh, some things popping up here. So Stephen's over on uh, YouTube, and he says, in some places, driving tired can get you a driving impaired charge. Yeah. Okay. Impaired is impaired, right? Um, doesn't have to be drugs. Doesn't have to be alcohol, right? Um, there's a lot of people now that um, marijuana is becoming more and more 
legalized, decriminalized, and all that kind of stuff, right? Um, they're confusing the fact they have this card that allows them to smoke a doobie, right, um, that they can just go driving. Um, it, no. Okay, and just like if you took your – you took Benadryl, right, from a, for a head cold. So freaking warning right there on the label, right? May cause drowsiness. Okay? It doesn't matter if it's a legal drug. You're you're driving impaired. Okay? Uh, Greg Bailey says habitual anxiety and stress can be a real problem in modern life. It seems like some of these issues are ingrained or conditioned. Uh, yeah, it could be either. Depends on environment. But that's see that's that's where insight based meditation comes in, right? Because we're looking at getting to this shamatha. Um, uh, clarity kind of thing, right? Just the stillness of mind, right? Understanding the how and the why behind anxiety or anger or whatever, right? That's vipassana meditation, right? That's insight-based meditation, okay? It's a whole different uh, practice. can look the same because, you know, the person's sitting in the same seat and they're breathing and whatnot, but what are you working on in here? Where's the, what, what, what um, state of mind are you in and how are you processing things? That makes a difference. Phil, okay, Iowa, Iowa. So um, look on your maps, right? Iowa's yellow. No, I don't know what color it is on the map, right? <laughs> um, I think he's on the eastern side, right? Um, but look at Iowa. Look at Pennsylvania, and I'm over near the east uh, stuff. I'm two and a half, two and a half hours northwest of Philadelphia. So if you find Harrisburg and go an hour north, that's where we are, right? So, um, yeah, I think Phil makes it in like, I don't know, 37 seconds because he has a cinder block for a foot. Anyway, <laughs> anyway right? I don't want to see you and my wife driving next to each other because it would be like a drag race. Anyway, all right, so uh, cool beans, cool stuff. All right, uh, questions, comments, anything else? Normally James would be monitoring these things, but here we are. Okay, so uh, here's a quick uh, heads up on some upcoming episodes. Let me bring this thing up here. Uh-oh, where is it? Do-do-do, recent. Kuden, all right, so let's see. So here we are with Mind Like Water. So uh, next week, okay, uh, we're going to be talking about the problem of, uh, that some people have where no one takes you or your training seriously. How about that? Okay. Um, talk about why that might be and how to handle it, right? How to, how to, uh, uh, how to either get people on board with, uh, helping you, right? Attain your goals. Or to at least accept the fact that you, whatever, right? So we'll, we'll dive into that, right? Uh, and then some upcoming weeks, um, how to own and maintain your personal power, uh, managing positive change, delusional training. Um, let's see, seven aspects of an enlightened mind, right? Uh, controlling anger. I'll, I'll leave. So, I don't know, maybe some topics some folks might be interested in. Uh, and if not, there's always Whiteboard Wednesday, right? So I'm doing some combat striking uh, aspects this Wednesday, right? So today's Monday, so two days from now, 3 p.m. Eastern on Wednesday. So 
All right. Um, I don't see anything else, so I'm going to go ahead and wrap this up. Thank you, thank you, thank you for uh, making it, making time to uh, join me again. And uh, for those of you listening in on the recording, I appreciate your uh, your uh, support and loyalty, if that's a good word uh, as well. Don't forget to like and share these things. Get the get the the word out for folks to, you know, so they can they can uh, get the same kind of lessons and whatnot. Um, I mean, how often do you get a chance to sit down with a Daishihan for an hour and a half or two hours, um, just getting a private heart-to-heart lesson, or semi-private in this case, right? Anyway, that's it. I will talk to everybody again next time. Be safe and uh, train hard. Talk to you soon. Get more of Kudan Radio. Subscribe through your favorite podcasting site or join our clan of serious modern warriors at OnlineNinjaAcademy.com.